This is the podcast for the December issue of Neuropsychopharmacology Reviews. I'm Cynthia Graber. Stress plays a key role in a number of neurological disorders, including anxiety and post-traumatic stress disorder. Advances in the fields of genetics, epigenetics, neuroimaging, and neural and intergenerational models have led to new understandings on the origins of stress and its impacts. The latest issue of Neuropsychopharmacology Reviews is titled Impact of Stress on the Brain, Pathology, Treatment, and Prevention. The two editors of the reviews issue are Carrie Ressler, Chief Scientific Officer and Chief of the Depression and Anxiety Division at McLean Hospital of Harvard Medical School, and Jordan Smuller, Director of the Psychiatric and Neurodevelopmental Unit at Massachusetts General Hospital. They lay out why stress is so important. First, Dr. Smuller. Broadly speaking, stress, adversity, trauma, the whole class of environmental exposures that are related to stress have an effect on risk for and the course of a very broad range of neuropsychiatric disorders. The other thing about stress is that we actually are learning quite a bit about how it operates in terms of affecting the structure and function of the brain, its interaction with genetics, and increasingly the emerging field of epigenetics uh, and ways in which stress and experience may modify gene expression in ways that uh, we can actually begin to connect up with how the brain is operating. So I'd like to go through a few different sections in the review. First, I'd like to talk about the relationship between fear regulation and the brain circuitry. And you write in the editorial that much has changed in the past decade. Why are you taking a closer look at this particular field? So I think it's it's really because that the two areas that probably have made the most progress in terms of understanding the neural circuits of a behavior are those of addiction and fear. And one might argue that they're some of the simplest emotions, and also they're the ones that are the easiest to modulate in a rodent. And so in the same way that I don't think we really have strong animal models of post-traumatic stress disorder per se, we do have strong animal models of fear learning or threat learning. And we can essentially model fear in a mouse the same way we can model this fear learning process in humans. And what are some of the highlights of the papers about fear in this review? Sure. So Steve Marin and um, Andrew Holmes have an article entitled Stress and Fear Extinction, and that really will examine a broad range of fear processing, but particularly how stress affects contextual fear learning related to dysregulation of stress response and fear systems that occurs in a broad variety of anxiety disorders. Uh, A paper by Perusini and Fanzolo also looks at the process of fear sensitization caused by acute traumatic stress. So perhaps one of the better models of PTSD where you're really combining both an acute stress with fear learning and fear processing as as the readout. And that's in many ways what we see in humans with PTSD, that prior trauma leads to an alteration in how their neural systems process fear. And so we think that this, this sort of approach is a good way of probing the neural circuits of fear processing. This could lead to potential treatments. First of all, according to Dr. Ressler, a better understanding of the learning and memory processes in the brain could lead to new approaches for therapy. And then the second way is by understanding these circuits better. It also leads then to understanding the molecular mechanisms of how these circuits function and thus leading to new drug targets and interventions. And now I'd like to ask about genetics and imaging. Genetics and imaging are providing new tools to understand modeling and circuitry of the brain when it comes to stress and anxiety and fear. 
What do the papers demonstrate about the latest in this field, Dr. Smuller? There have at least been now some very interesting findings that uh, have implicated variants in genes relevant to the stress hormone system and uh, several other systems as having an impact on the kind of fear circuitry that we were talking about. And these are both structural and functional neuroimaging studies. And the imaging studies have now begun to look at whether those same variants may be having a detectable effect on on brain structure and function. And so Bogdan, in in that contribution, looked at how this risk genotype interacts with childhood adversity and found evidence that it predicted increased threat-related amygdala reactivity. So those kinds of findings are are the beginnings of some very interesting applications of looking at both genetic variation and brain function. I think a challenge for some of the imaging genetic work is the fact that we expect individual variants to have relatively modest effects, and therefore we probably need larger studies than most of those that have been available to date. And so there's a lot of work trying to to really scale up the kinds of research that are being done in imaging genetics. And I think that's going to be very useful going forward. Dr. Smoller says psychiatric genetics has advanced in general in the last few years, and scientists have identified risk variants for psychiatric diseases like schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. Only recently have researchers attempted large-scale studies to understand the genetics of stress-related disorders, and they're beginning to see results emerging. In the case of depression, for example, uh, just this past summer in Nature, there was a report of significant loci-influencing depression. More recently, the, the International Psychiatric Genomics Consortium has been reporting evidence as well. And so I think we're just at that beginning of the cusp of um, seeing findings of the nature that we saw for other disorders. It seems that stress can actually cause genetic changes. The term for such external changes to gene expression is epigenetics, and those changes can be passed down to future generations, even to those who didn't experience the stress themselves. Some of the best data um, is reviewed in a paper by Bowers and Yehuda, where there's been work in humans for a number of decades now, particularly through work of offspring on Holocaust survivors, that has demonstrated that that those offspring have an increased risk of PTSD and depression themselves, even when controlling for other factors related to parenting, et cetera. And so a number of um, groups have now begun working on how this might be possible in animal models. In these animal models, researchers in the review have shown a variety of ways in which the stress events create physiological change and how that can be passed down to future generations. Both authors believe there are many potential applications for therapy that could eventually derive from the research described in this issue. Work uh, covered in this issue and uh, work that uh, Dr. Ressler has been one of the pioneers of has uh, demonstrated that by understanding some of the basic synaptic physiology and fear circuitry, we can essentially hack into the normal mechanisms for uh, fear learning and fear extinction to perhaps develop novel treatments that combine, for example, cognitive behavioral therapy and certain pharmacologic interventions to accelerate fear extinction or even to begin to erase memory traces of, of trauma. I think in the, in the area of genetics, for example, as we get novel targets from genetic studies and as they begin to nominate very specific uh, gene products and pathways, 
again, we're going to um, be in a much better position to begin to work on how those gene systems are uh, involved. Dr. Ressler? I would say that one theme that really, I think, runs throughout the issue is the progress that's been made on understanding circuits and that we've made terrific progress as a field in the last 20 or 30 years from moving to where effectively the brain was seen as sort of a bag of chemicals and we hoped that by mildly modulating one monoamine or another that would shift how the brain responded broadly that we now appreciate that particularly in stress-related disorders, trauma-related disorders, and even depression, that the particular memories that are component of this disorder are critical. And the only way we're going to get at those memories is not through a broad, um, necessarily through a, a broad drug-based mechanism, but really mechanisms that activate the specific circuitries and potentially drugs interacting with those circuitries or those memories, but that we need to, there's not going to be a, a silver bullet that affects everything and that we need a much greater understanding of circuits and memory processing and really the role of stress as one particular um, type of memory regulation. Dr. Smuller says that the review puts forth a comprehensive look at the state of the current science on stress in the brain. So I think the, the multi-level and interdisciplinary nature of this research really comes through in this issue. Uh, the other thing uh, on, the, on the other side, though, of course, is that we, um, it's almost a cliche, but need a lot more research in this area. You know, one of the things that you often find is that the more you discover, the more you realize you don't know. And so um, I think we're going to see uh, the kind of work that gets outlined in this issue really uh, develop over the next several years. We still have a lot to learn, but it's it's remarkable as you look through this collection of, of papers just how much work has been done uh, in this area. Dr. Ressler, I think that um, we've you know we've tried and I think done a, as a as a field done a good job of bringing together a host of studies examining the role of, of stress and stress-related processes from genetics, epigenetics, neuroscience, circuit, and behavior, really bringing forth both what some of the cutting-edge work is in these areas um, that we think really shares the excitement in the area, but also really points to areas where we still need work, where there's still holes, but I think really brings forth the promise of the future. The editors for this Neuropsychopharmacology Reviews issue are Carrie Ressler, Chief Scientific Officer and Chief of the Depression and Anxiety Division at McLean Hospital of Harvard Medical School, and Jordan Smuller, Director of the Psychiatric and Neurodevelopmental Unit at Massachusetts General Hospital. For a list of the papers covered in this reviews issue, as well as the full editorial introduction by Carrie Ressler and Jordan Smuller, go to www.nature.com/nppr. I'm Cynthia Graber.